Today on CityCast Chicago, there have been a lot of conversations recently about the importance of speaking up about mental health, especially for black women, thanks Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka. But for one Chicago therapist and author, these conversations are not new. I saw this happening time and time again, people coming into the office with stories that were common among black women and black people, but because nobody around them was talking about it, they felt like they were the only ones and they felt an incredible amount of shame. We talked to Dr. Inger Burnett-Ziegler about pressures we put on black women, and we talked to one mental health advocate on why saying no is just so damn groundbreaking. It's Tuesday, August 3rd. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. I am guilty of participating in the trope of the strong black woman. I mean, I grew up with grannies and a mom who didn't often express their emotions. My mom was the kind of person who went through breast cancer when I was a kid and just straight up didn't tell me until I was a teenager because she didn't want me or my brother or sister to go to school and worry. And so it's taken me some years to unlearn and learn what it means to support black women. Clinical psychologist Dr. Inger Burnett-Ziegler's book, Nobody Knows the Trouble I've Seen, The Emotional Lives of Black Women, is helping people, myself included, unlearn that. Dr. Burnett-Ziegler, welcome to CityCast Chicago. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here, and I appreciate you making space for this topic. Can we talk about your book and the experiences of Black women that you have talked to? What are some of those unique pressures that Black women face? In terms of the the women in the book, I talk about my mom and my grandmother as strong Black women, and um, I talk about uh, stories of friends and family, as well as client stories of people that I worked with in therapy. And there were many similar themes across all of these women, uh, some of those being uh, intergenerational trauma. So women who experienced childhood abuse or neglect or witnessed their parent experiencing domestic violence. They left the household and then experienced domestic violence themselves and then had uh, children that witnessed them in a domestic violence relationship. And I talk about that pattern of intergenerational trauma and how, you know, uh, silence and secrecy really creates a fertile ground for that trauma to continue to be passed along. Let's talk Simone Biles. I know you've commented on this. Being an Olympic athlete is already high pressure enough, but she's also one of a few black women at the top of gymnastics. Is there research that shows that being one of few black faces in any room can increase your overall anxiety? You know, we can only imagine uh, the pressure that Simone Biles and I'll throw Naomi Osaka in there as well are under competing at the top of their game. The expectations around their training, the expectations to be literally perfect. Add to that the weight of the expectation of being the face of the African-American community, having um, so many hopes and expectations being placed on them. And that can feel like a really heavy burden. Um, You know, it can be great to know that so many people are looking up to you and seeing you as a role model. 
but there's also that pressure of not wanting to let people down. And I think that, you know, Simone Biles uh, referenced that uh, in some of her comments. You know, in terms of the research, we do know that it is not uncommon uh, for Black women to feel that added pressure, wanting to, you know, do their community proud, wanting to make space for others to come behind them. And I, I heard, I read in a, in a New York Times article that Simone Biles said, you know, I'm representing uh, not only just gymnastics, but black and brown girls everywhere. The saying is, you know, kind of cliche, but nevertheless so true of having to work twice as hard to get half as far. I read something about her difficulty scores. I'm not sure if, if you've read this, yeah, that her her scores are not given the the sort of runaway scores that they should be given because not everybody can compete uh, using those moves. That's right. So they they lower the benchmark, taking away from her greatness. And I thought, wow, what a powerful example of when someone is literally extraordinary. The mark of that is kind of knocked down to serve other people. Speaking of so many others, you know, most black women are obviously not Olympians, right? They're not world star tennis players. And yet this cycle plays out in our in everyday life. You know, how does that look different or similar, you know, for for black women in the everyday Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I think that um, Naomi Osaka and Simone Biles in many ways are tried and true examples of strong Black women, which is what um, I'm really talking about in my book. I'm talking about what strong Black women show the outside world and then what is on the other side of strong Black women that they're so often not showing. Um, And when I look at them, I see women that are beautiful, that are talented, that are revered, that are hard workers, um, but also women who have seen deep struggle um, and who have experienced deep emotional pain. You know, Simone Biles having, um, you know, childhood instability with, with both of her parents being in foster care and later experiencing sexual abuse. Um, you know, Naomi Osaka, you know, talks about the uh, the challenges of, you know, struggling in order to support her talent and how that was hard for her and her family. And I think that those narratives, both sides of those narratives of being of being beautiful and strong and of of suffering deeply with anxiety, with depression, with trauma, in many ways are are a common experience for Black women. Um, And what's so incredible about them is they're not hiding it. Women, especially Black women, praised Biles' decision to put her health first. And Siobia Rivers was definitely one of them. Siobia is a fitness instructor and social justice activist in Chicago and co-founder of Healthy Hood, which we've talked about here on the show before. It just validated when I need to take time off, I can take time off. Simone Biles um, decides that she can take time off with her doing literally everything that she does, being like the goat of gymnastics and her being like, no, I'm going to prioritize myself. 
Like that was validating to me, like, okay, I can take the time off too. It, it was just very inspiring because not only to me, but just every, every black woman and really everyone across the globe. It's like we think about, or at least I think about the load that she carries or that Naomi carries. I'm just like, if they decide that they can drop their load for themselves, then every single one of us can drop our load for ourselves. I have participated in the trope of the strong black woman because I grew up with grannies and a mom who were gangsters. Like We all have that granny, right? <laughs> they, my, my mama was a gangster. And so I went out into the world as a teenager, as a young man, with this sense of black women as being this sort of monolith, mm-hmm. this this strong gangster-like figure. I'm going to add that to how how I describe strong black women because I I get the visual. I know I know exactly. Yeah, uh-huh. for sure. <laughs> to go back to be older and to speak to my mom and to realize that while my mom is strong, there was a human being in there the entire time who was maybe hiding some of that vulnerability but was so vulnerable and at times so broken. Yeah, you know, I in, in describing your mom, I love that you said she was strong, that, that that is a truth, but there are also these other experiences that she was dealing with and layers. And, and I just wanted to highlight that because sometimes we think of it as one or the other. And this book is really um, challenging us to think that we can still claim strong, we can still be proud of that, um, but also paying attention to all of the other stuff, all of the other layers that are below the surface and thinking about how we can talk about that and support each other in that and get get the help that we uh, may need in that. And so I, I love that. I really do believe that we're in a pivotal moment around mental health, broadly speaking, and particularly mental health um, in the Black community. I know there's been a clear shift in the way we look at mental health now, but it's still a topic that is taboo for some people. Why do you think that is? I think it's so stigmatized because it is fundamentally goes against how how we see ourselves as strong. People have created a narrative that we as a people are strong and that means we don't need help. And so to acknowledge suffering, to acknowledge depression, anxiety, and it's to be not strong. And that is the worst thing that you could possibly be. I think added on to that is that we look around and everybody's performing themselves as strong. And that was one of the, really the biggest reason I wanted to write the book is because I saw this happening time and time again, people coming into the office with stories that were common among Black women and Black people but because nobody around them was talking about it, they felt like they were the only ones and they felt an incredible amount of shame. And not only that, they thought they were the only ones coming to therapy. And I'm like, I see a bunch of y'all all the time. Like, this is happening. I do this for a living and I'm employed. I do this. And I'm employed. And I'm, and I'm employed. I'm, I'm full. <laughs> I have a waiting list. There, you know, and so that's been so powerful to me, people who have read the book and they've said, I saw my story 
I know that I'm not alone. But one thing that was very clear in your answer is just how important, even if difficult it is, to find a therapist that can really understand your experiences, who can relate to you. Why is that so important for people? You know, I think it's particularly important for Black people and Black women um, because we don't want to go to a space where we feel that we're going to be judged um, because that's a situation that we encounter particularly in predominantly white spaces every day. I do want to say, though, that although I get it 100%, I also don't want that to be a barrier to people getting the help that they need. You can find a culturally competent provider that may be of another racial ethnic background. She's not a client of Dr. Burnett Ziegler, but Siobia did find another therapist during the pandemic. Siobia says it was important for her to find a black therapist who could really understand her experience as a black woman. I just felt like it was a lot of things I didn't have to explain that she already knew already. I felt understood. I felt um, like I wasn't being judged. I felt like, you know, she knew where I was coming from. And that that was heartwarming to me. I wanted to ask one more question about Miss Simone Biles. She is going to compete in the balance beam event. Uh, and wow. But do you think that there was a pressure there to compete? Or do you think based off what you've watched that our hope is that this is a choice that is informed by her just feeling better today than she did yesterday? I think certainly there's a pressure to compete. How that impacted her individual decision, we don't know. Um, she seems to have a really good self-awareness. You know, I, I am excited to hear that she's competing. And I... You, you did light up. You did light up. <laughs> I did. I did. I did. But, you know, I, I was excited when she stepped away as well because it was it was a it's a powerful statement. And her just being able to have, you know, her own agency in that, despite what she decides to do, I think is is a beautiful example for all of us. You know, what do you want black women to take from Simone Biles, from Naomi Osaka saying no? I want them to know that you are not just what you do, that you are worthy, valuable, beautiful human being, despite what you do as a job and what you do for others and taking care, taking the steps to take care of yourself is not only a, a gift to yourself, but it's a gift to everyone around you because that really enables you to be able to show up as your best self to the world. And I think that they're both so, um, so beautifully demonstrating that. Dr. Inger Burnett Ziegler is a clinical psychologist and professor at Northwestern University's Feinberg School of Medicine. Her book, Nobody Knows the Trouble I've Seen, The Emotional Lives of Black Women, just came out. Dr. Burnett Ziegler, thank you so much for this. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. With COVID cases jumping in the city, two new testing and vaccination sites have opened up. You can head over to Forest City Mall on the southwest side or get you a free ride from Cook County to River Oaks Mall on the South Burbs. Some good news to get you through. If you're looking for something relaxing to do this week, I got two things for you. One, you can head over to Healthy Hood Chicago for a free pop-up about wellness 
and even giving out some watermelon juice. Or head over to 39th Street in Bronzeville this Thursday for some sunset yoga. Amani Muhammad's class starts at 7 p.m., so get there on time with your mat and your yoga blocks. For more Chicago stories and events, go ahead and sign up for that daily newsletter at chicago.citycast.fm. And if you tell a friend about it, you can win some CityCast merch. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. Boom, boom, boom. My name is Jacoby, and I'm going to put the intro now. So hopefully you're listening, Carrie, because I've got an intro coming up.